0: Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin.
1: Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here without the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. Hopefully, GQ will be back next week. He's got a lot going on this week. But I have an excellent, excellent guest who I want to get to very quickly, and that's our friend from north of the border, Tommy Massis. For those who don't know, Tommy has been a professional horse player who's sort of retired. He'll talk about that. Uh, But he's been a professional horse player for a couple of decades, I believe now, and very, very successful at it. And it's so hard to find people who make money in this game long term. Anyone can hit a bed or get lucky on a day. But to find people who consistently are able to make money, we've had a few people on that do that. uh, and, And Tommy is one of those people. And he's been on before, but... This time, we really go into depth on some handicapping stuff, on watching replays. We talk about betting. Uh, I really feel this will be a a very helpful podcast for people of all levels, whether you're a beginner. We'll touch on some things for you guys, uh, but also for the more advanced um, better. I I know when I have guests on, I like to learn from them. And Tommy is someone, every time I hear him or have him on the show or talk to him on Twitter, I'm, I'm learning something. So to me, that's that's the best kind of guess to get. So very excited to have Tommy on. We'll touch a little bit upon the Breeders' Cup uh, and that debacle that happened. And hopefully, although I'm not very hopeful, but hopefully, uh, if nothing else, they change the late scratch into a post-time favorite role, one of the most unfair roles. I've long railed against it. I don't really have much of a soapbox, but from my tiny little soapbox, I've railed against that for a couple of years already. And I'm hoping that changes in, in one jurisdiction, whatever, New York, I, I don't care where you are, somewhere out there, just change that role to a consolation payoff or even alternative selections uh, allow people to make, I, I know on track, I guess, at California at Santa Anita, you can make alternative selections, but for the large majority of people are not on track and don't have access to that. It's just a totally unfair scenario for everyone. Whether you have the horse, that's the late scratch, you get scratched into a horse you might not want. And even if you want the horse or you bet the favorite, now you got all this other money coming into the favorite and kills any value that you had and lowers your price. So really unfair uh, in so many ways, late scratches are going to happen, but for them to give you a post-time favorites off. And of course the breeders cup debacle went beyond that because it wasn't just the fact that there was a, a late scratch. It was the horse actually ran and won. I, I put something on Twitter I believe I said something like they should have given Charlie Appleby like a million dollars just not to run the horse after they accidentally scratched him. Maybe he would have been content taking the money and it would have saved a PR nightmare for the track. It still would have been the post-time favorite rule, but it would have been all these people that would have won money or should have won money. Not would have, should have won because their horse won like a champ and they got screwed big time. So I was not alive at the time. I don't even think I had a, I don't even know if I had a bet on the race, to be honest. I don't think I did. So it didn't really affect me. So hopefully I'm kind of independent in saying this, that that was a horrible, horrible thing. uh, What happened and people got screwed and you wonder why people find this game tough to bet. And that's the number one reason, but you know, we keep coming back and we love the game and hopefully things change and Tommy's going to bring it up But until horse players kind of unite. And it's going to be very hard to do that. Things are not probably going to change, unfortunately. So you kind of have to take it as it is or choose not to put your money out there on that happy note. We have a long show, so I want to welcome in our guests. Welcome back to the show. Earlier today, I sat down with uh, Tommy Massis, and here is our talk from earlier. Hope you enjoy. Hope you learned something from it. And we'll get back to our normal shows next week. We'll get to go over some races and talk some handicapping and some betting. But for this week, here's Tommy. Hey, Tommy. Thanks for coming, and welcome back to Better Betting.
0: My pleasure. Good to be here again.
1: All right. So we have a a bunch of questions for you and a lot of listeners have submitted some questions also. So we'll jump right into it. Uh, I had a couple of questions uh, just in general about your, I guess, life as a professional horse player. Uh, Do you focus on one track, which I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, And then what would you offer as advice to people out there who are trying to get better at handicapping? Would you focus on one track for them? Would you tell them to spread it around?
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely focus at one tr- on one track. When you focus on one track, and, and I'm lucky that the one I prefer is my home track. So, you know, I know people at the track. I know blockers. I know trainers. I know the way they think, and th- that makes things a lot easier. I don't really, you know, I could be real good friends with a trainer. I won't ask him nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
0: I kind of know the kind of way he thinks and and, and so on, right? So, when you play one track, I find that, you know, if you do your replays and do all your work and you really don't need sheets and figures, you know, I can basically look at a race and, and look back on a horse's last race or two and say, okay, you know, I know how good he is. You don't, you know, you, you want to put a number on it, that's good for you. But, you know, I, I, it, for me, it just comes like that because I'm playing one track. I know this, this field is better than that field. You can give me any figure you want and, and I'll tell you where to put it.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I totally hear you on that. When we're doing our show, we're often looking at multiple tracks. We, we focus on some of the bigger ones usually, but I'll be talking about a horse and I'll say horse who came out of New York, maybe running in Keeneland because I'm familiar with New York horses. i think like, oh, he ran against so-and-so who's like a, consistently against 90 buyers. So I kind of have an idea of what that field was like. Um, how, how often... Did you bet when you were betting and are you officially retired? Cause I know you kind of said you were, but I wasn't positive.
0: Yeah. You know what? It's like, people think, uh, you know, I'll put it to you this way. So somebody retires, uh, just say he's a, he's a banker. He retires from banking doesn't mean he's not going to go into a bank. He's not, he's not going to bank. He's not going to buy a stock or, you know, like, yeah, I'm retired from being a real serious, you know 24 7 horse player but you know when i go to florida instead of going to the beach i go sit in the sand at Gulfstream. i, li- I like being around the track i don't like being around horse players but i like being <laughs> around the track
1: maybe i won't call you when i come down to gulf this winter
0: <laughs> i think you'll be okay i, I guess That's- you know what also somebody will say well i really want to learn this and that right yeah I'll say, okay let's meet on a tuesday well did they want to do it on the track while the races are going like you know no that don't work yeah and then you know it, i don't like it but try to get try to get somebody wants to learn about horses to pay attention while the races are going on you know you're talking to them and you see he's over at the window
1: um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you go in the track occasionally uh, are you still betting though
0: yeah i love going to the track yeah yeah, I love going to the track. And I and sure, I'm betting. Yeah, I had a good week last
1: week. I made about 60000 last week. Fooling around. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing when you're just fooling around. Um, now, as, as a horse player is doing it for your job, we've had you on before and you've spoken about it, um, You know how you got into it and all that. So I won't ask you questions like that. But one of the big things I would think is handling the highs and lows of being a horse player because I'm sure you're not making money each and every week uh, I'm sure there are weeks or months and you can talk about where you're barely making anything and, and others, other times of the year where you're making a fortune, I'm sure. But h- how do you kind of handle the highs and lows of that? I mean, you still have to pay bills and stuff like that. H- how do you do that?
0: Well, y- yeah, it's an important question, right? I handle it well. I don't let nothing really phase me. If uh, you know, if I get DQ'd or if I, you know, what happened at the Breeders' Cup on Friday happened to me, it'd be quick venting and over it. And if I can't get over it, I just shut everything down and, you know, go have a smoke and relax and just say, that's, you know, you got to be able to just put it all aside. Like To give you an example of me at the racetrack, uh, a guy that horse people know, Matt Bernier, who worked for DRF and, you know, was on that TV show and that. Yep. So he came over to Toronto twice and sat with me. And luckily for me, both times I gave him a winner and both times he goes, so how did you do And I showed him my account and, both times there were plus 30 K scores. And he looked at me and goes, and you just sit there like that. Right. And I go, yep. It takes a lot for me to get excited. Right. Cause I know now, especially when you make a score, right. I got to gotta, I gotta relax. Cause I know already I'm going to step it up a notch when I'm, when I hit. Right. I don't take the money and go, I go, okay, I'm ready now. I'm apt to just open up the form and bet another track when I'm going good. So I I want to take advantage the way I look at. I'm seeing the ball I'm focusing, you know, that's the way I, I, you know, after a bad day or a good day, I just put it to that. I was seeing the ball good or I wasn't seeing the ball good, nothing else. I blame it on myself and I blame it on my focus, whether I win or lose. So staying in that even keel, you have to, because there's still more work to be done. Do
1: you find like, you have confidence at certain times when you're on some kind of role and you're handicapping a race and it becomes clear to you. And at other times when you're losing, do you maybe, whether it's lacking confidence, but do you look at a race and you're a little unsure of yourself? Cause I know personally, I kind of feel that way. Cause I'm very streaky as well. Um, yeah, do, well do you, you feel me, that? Or are you good at keeping even keeled and that doesn't no, affect no, your hand? No, handicap? no if,
0: I'm, if I'm losing, I slow down. If I'm winning, I speed up, you know, in the betting wise. Right. So I, I don't try to push my luck when I'm going bad and it, you know, it just comes down to that, right? Because you know, maybe I'm just not seeing it right. You know, maybe I'm not focusing right. And, and that's part, you know, it's a real important part of the game, having a clear head when you're when you're handicapping and betting. So yeah, you know, I, I I just try to go with you know, with the you know the flow. I don't try to push it when I'm losing, and I definitely don't slow down when I'm winning.
1: And Someone had a a question. I know you've been a contest player in the past. I don't know if you're a big contest player or just I know you do at Keeneland. You had success uh, with a big victory there. Um, But A, are you a a big contest player? And B, someone wanted to know, at these contests, um, is it kind of collaborative or people talking to each other and kind of sharing info and stuff? Or is it kind of like, you know, competition and and everyone's out for themselves a little bit as far as uh, not giving away too much?
0: Yeah, it's kind of both. And, and, you know, the reason I probably don't play them anymore it's you know, Brent comes to this point, it's like, okay, so like me, I don't want no one to know what I'm doing. And you see other guys, groups of friends who are actually mm-hmm. people who are playing against each other are, you know, sharing notes and that, right? But then again, right now, the way the rules are set up, it's so easy to cheat in my mind. So I'm staying away. I don't want nothing to do with that bullshit, right? Excuse my language, but the rules are set up where people can cheat and group together. And so I don't want to do that. I'll never do that. Listen, I'll rob a racetrack. I won't rob a racetrack. You know what I mean? I'm not going to cheat and screw over one of the guys I sit with and, you know, friendly with. So it's open to that right now. And that's why I'm really, I'm, I'm done with them basically.
1: All right. And just one or two other general questions. I want to get into some specific handicapping and betting questions. Uh, someone had asked me uh, to ask you about Hong Kong and obviously you had that huge score. I think it was uh, over a million pick six. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. uh, but do you still play Hong Kong? And what are the benefits? Cause I've heard you talk very positively about Hong Kong racing. What are the benefits of playing in and what kind of bets do you make there? Is it just like a pick six or, or something like that?
0: Yeah. Right now I'm just playing pick six carryovers. Right. And you know it's hard. Hong Kong's Hong Kong takes a lot of work, and I think the only problem, major problem with Hong Kong is the time that starts. So it's hard for me. You know it's hard for me to, to get up and be focused to bed at six in the morning or stay up and start betting at three in the morning.
1: Mm.
0: So you know I kind of don't. You know, and, and it's so it only really is makes sense for me just to put that one bet in. Before I go to bed or when I wake up and on the pick six and like playing race to race, you can't play race to race and advance bat. I can't anyway. I, I don't really play race to race anyway, but you know, if Hong Kong had, I'm, I'm not allowed to play the pick three here. I can't play doubles here. And you know, they, they got something called all ups in Hong Kong where you can basically put in your parlays in the morning. So you put in your parlay, so you can basically bet a, a pick four races one, four, eight, and 10. And it just parlays for you. You can do it. I think you can do a, like a Quinella parlay. And, you know, there, there's bets there that you can really, with small money, make a, a huge score without the pick six. And I can't play into them. If I could, it'd be different. Trust me, my, I'd be sleeping right now.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think in in the U.S., or at least I can't, play in the pick six. I, I've checked on uh, ADWs that I have, and it doesn't seem like that's available. It looks like it's just pick three. Um, and then some, like I guess they had the Omni Bet maybe there and Win whatever else they have. But um, I don't have access to the same bets. I guess you don't have to certain bets as well up in yeah, Canada. No, the,
0: pick, the Pick Six. uh, There is, I think, one or two uh, ADWs that do take the Pick Six. Oh, I can't what? play the Pick Three here. You guys can, but there is there. I know somebody who plays the Pick Six through a US ADW. Oh really? Okay. I, I'll try to find that out for you, the exact name of it. I'm not sure which one it is, but
1: all right. Interesting. So if anyone wants to know out there, I know someone had a question about it. Feel free to reach out to me or Tommy yeah, on Twitter. remember,
0: well, when you put it up on social media, just ask me that question and I'll yeah. tag the guy that I know and we'll figure it out.
1: Perfect. And um, did you watch the Breeders' Cup at all this weekend? Yes, I did. I know you, uh, you move on from things, so it might be too far in the distant past already, but Do you have any thoughts on uh, the late scratch thing on Friday, since it's all the rage on uh, social media and in the news?
0: Yeah. Like what else is new, right? Yep. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous, right? It's just ridiculous. You know, there's no use complaining about it because everybody came back Saturday and played. I quit early Saturday. I didn't make it to the last five, six races. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know what? It's just until we, we as a group abstain, you know, and, and, put up you know like you know join together and fight back they don't have to take care of this stuff
1: yeah and and they
0: obviously don't care the breeder's cup comes in for two days takes over a racetrack and you know i don't know you know who who they hire what they do and then they lie about it it's just it's just you know we just don't count that's that's a sad thing
1: yeah the one thing that i hope comes out of it which i'm sure it won't because nothing seems to change is I would hope this stupid, at least I think, a stupid post time favorite role ends and changes. Uh, to me, that's it's archaic and it's just so stupid and unfair. Uh, either you don't want the favorite in the first place, and then you're stuck with the favorite. Give me the longest price on the board. I'd rather have that than the favorite most of the time. Uh, or, and I don't want that either. Um, and also, if you're betting the favorite and you like the favorite, now all your value that you might have gotten is gone. So um do you see that change
0: a lot of it is eric a lot of it is the players fault because i know they have. they used to have in the 80s here we had like a pick seven wager and you had to bet it on one of those cards and they put it into some little machine they had on their desk right and now they have those i I just read recently they still have this stuff in, in california these betting cards and these things had an alternate on them right right so this is this is the scenario I see. So some guys alive for 20,000 they scratch his horse, right? His alternate is also scratched. What happens?
1: Uh, at that point, uh, maybe then you get the post. I, I, I don't think you should. I guess the rule would be you get the post on favorite. Maybe at that point, but or, or whatever t- you
0: get a consolation. Right. To right? me, to me, the,
1: to me, the no, consolation so is got
0: a different answer. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: to- but but those cards, those cards, they're 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 out there since the '80s. They're there now. It's not hard, right? Racetracks just don't care. They're not going to spend a hundred bucks to upgrade their systems or that. They just don't care and this won't make them care either.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm not hopeful that things change, but you know, I would hope they go I prefer the consolation and the alternative um, uh an alternative pick or whatever second pick, but uh, and I've seen many online contests where you have an alternative, you pick your horse and you know, if it's like a $2 win place or whatever contest, and I'm not a contest player, but I've seen and they have an alternate selection in case it does scratch, so it can't be that hard to do, but like you said, and, and I was saying, it's probably not going to change, unfortunately, And unless players come together. And I don't see players coming together and just not playing pick fives and things like that. So
0: the, play, the players are responsible for killing this game. So you got these computer players who are taking advantage of everything and the computer players, their bread and butter is these jackpot pick sixes. And every time we have a carryover, everybody lines or, or a force out, everyone lines up and plays this and keeps it keeps it a viable bet. Right. And and it's just it's just like, you know, guys, you know, I understand it's, you know, you're you're winning one. You know, you have a shot at this free money one day and then you're getting robbed, you know, 180 days. And that that's the problem. You know, it's 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 us. Believe me, we're the problem. We're the problem.
1: I wonder how many people that play into the jackpot bets even know what they're getting into. You know, like, do they realize that takeouts 55, 60 percent, whatever it is, each one's slightly different. But I I wonder if they even know.
0: Well, we got people up there that have websites and everything. And, you know, they're they're supposed to be a voice for the player, And they're up there, you know, the shills that they are. Oh, big carryover. Let's play. Here's our analysis, this and that. And everyone's going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're getting, you know, there's something good here for the horse player. Look, and everyone's pushing. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? You know, it's like, uh, you know, the wolves are in charge of uh, the head house or the cat house or
1: whatever you want to call it. All right, let's get into uh, a few handicapping questions and then uh, a few specific betting questions uh, after that, if you don't mind. So you're at the track. I don't know if you handicap in the morning or, or at the track, but um, w- when you start to handicap a card or a race or a sequence, let's say it's the first race and you're looking at it. You open up to the first page there. What's the first thing you're doing or does it change each race? Are you looking at the conditions? Are you glancing at the field? Like I'll tell you something that I do. I look just briefly, I scan and look at speed figures just to get an idea roughly what these horses are running. So if I see like, you know, it's sixties, maybe like a couple of horses, uh, upper sixties, I'm like, all right, that's probably around what it's going to take. And then I go into more detail on the horse and figure out what it might take. But w- what are you looking at when you first look at a race?
0: Okay, I basically don't look at any kind of figures at all. Mm -hmm. There's been figures in the racing form right beside the jockey's weight for 100 years. Uh (laughs) There's a number, a little dash, and a track bearing, right? Well, somehow people got these numbers, turned them into their own numbers, and, uh, you know, monetized it. That's all you need. Those two numbers on the right there,
1: that's Mm -hmm. all
0: you really need. I don't even look at those. So the way I do it is the night before... I'll, you know, freshen up on replays and whatever, you know, just, I don't want to tell everyone how to do it, but whatever you're doing, whatever you use, whether it's replays, biases, figures, add that to the form, write it out on my form. Put so at nighttime for me, is not the time when I think right. I don't do, you know, I, so I'm basically just doing like data entry onto my form. And then I like to get to the track early sit, you know, like for me, ideally get there at 10, have a coffee, stretch my legs, walk around, you know, 1030, start to look. And then it doesn't take me more than 20 minutes to go through the whole card. Oh, wow. Write it all out. Right. And I got a rough copy of basically what I, well, you know, what I'm looking at and, and then, you know, so I got that done and then I'll look, okay. So for me, usually Woodbine race two, pick five coming up. I'll look at that and 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 do a little bit more digging in that. But, you know, the races, there's some races that are clear. It's just the, the fill-in race, the races I don't like. What am I going to do with those, right? You know, if I can play a double, that's even better. But it, it's that. But the, the main thing I do, the most important thing for me is to picture a race, in my mind the first thing i want to do i look at that form and i try to get i have to get a good idea of how i think that race is going to be run if i can't then it's definitely not a race i'm focusing on you know i'm not always going to be right but i'll look at it and you know you'll say this is supposed to happen and that's supposed to happen and so now i know who to move up right horse a might be you know, a length better than horse B, but horse B is going to get, you know, the advantages in this. So it's picturing that race really is where the pace scenario can really move. And if you're looking at sheets, it can get a a horse with 80 buyers, let's say get beat by a horse with 65 buyers. And that's the problem I had with the sheets is, you know, I looked into it a few years ago. I got some couple guys who are real good at it to, you know, teach me. And, and, and I got the hang of it. And like the second time it cost me, you know, a big number, right. I go, okay, I don't need to throw this in the garbage. If, if, all, if all it's going to do is stop me from every time I find a 30 to one shot, right. I don't need it. it it's not for me.
1: Yeah. I'm not, you, you know, I'll glance at them occasionally. Someone will share them with me. I'll look, but yeah, for the most part, I don't think you're finding 30 to one shots using uh, the sheets, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not that familiar. Um, no, no, you will,
0: you will. Oh, will really? you? Okay. Well, you might. Well, you know, if you're looking at a track like Woodbine with three different surfaces, right? Yep. So you might find a horse that's going back on his preferred surface that had numbers back then. Right. But I'm just saying it cost me twice. No no excuses other than those numbers are, are garbage. Twice. <laughs> and, and it's like I still bet my horse, but I scale down, right? I kind of go, oh, okay, this horse doesn't belong, right? You know, it w- went by four, right? Yeah, so I don't, I, don't need, I don't need anything that's going to stop me from hitting these impossible horses.
1: And, and you mentioned um, you take, what shocked me, like 20 minutes, you said, for the whole card. Is that because you know the horses? Or even if it was a track where you didn't know the horses, would you be that quick?
0: Well, I'm doing the night before, right? I'm watching these replays and adding notes. So uh, I hate to say it's going to break a lot of hearts. But somebody explained to me that when I'm doing all that stuff, all the, using the left part of my brain, it's the next day the right part of my brain is doing this while I'm having that coffee and walking around. So I have had instances where I thought I had ESP and stuff like that. Didn't understand why I got up and bet horses I hate, right? You know, and someone said it's the someone, you know, really went in and I and I then I read up on it. It's basically you use your, your left part of the brain for active thinking, and the right part of the brain has all this data. And it calculates it and spits out a result for you. And whether you go with it or not, I've learned to go with it. So like I'm on automatic pilot the second day. It doesn't take long. Right. I'm looking through those. I look through those, say there's 10 races. I look and I know three right away, just on pace scenario, get me excited. And, And I'll build around them. Right. And then I'll have to look, hopefully look at the race next to it to try to connect the double or pick three. And you go from there and it's, it's, the races that I probably won't bet are the ones I spend more time on. Right, because
1: I... you're not you're, you're not as sure about them. That's what you're saying, basically?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm like, you know, I want to try to force something out or force a few horses out for a sequence, right? Mm-hmm. But the races I really like, it, it doesn't take long. It's boom, boom, boom. And, and if you look anymore, all you're going to do is confuse yourself and go somewhere else and that. So I just go with it and that's it.
1: All right. So you, I know, and you said you look at pace scenario, and that's like the, the probably the biggest thing for you, how the race is going to set up. So when you're looking at a race, what, what are you looking at specifically to determine who you think is going to be in front? Obviously, uh, you know, we have a, a wide variety of listeners. Some are a lot more experienced and, and uh, higher knowledge, if you will. Others are, are more beginners. So obviously we know that the numbers are there in the PPs, you know, one, one, one at all the calls are you looking at the times too, like a horse who maybe ran 45 and four and was on the lead compared to horse to 46 and four? I know there's different tracks. Are you comparing the track varying? Are you looking at that to see how deep the track was to see how fast, Or are you just like, this horse is always on the lead. Uh, are you looking at class with that? I know I'm throwing a lot out there. Uh, so a horse who maybe was like stalking against um, second level allowance now dropping to like 12,000, they're going to have more speed because that was just a tougher field. Uh, so how do you construct the pace scenario in other words
0: okay so the first disclaimer should be that i play a synthetic track where it's easy to come off the pace first thing right so you have to think about that where a lot of the the north american dirt tracks are hard to come off the pace or some of them impossible to come off the pace Mm -hmm. so playing a synthetic track i'll look right away and i'll see front runner front runner front runner front runner you know uh middle move horse or presser, whatever you want to presser. And there's the closer, right? And now if you look at that closer and that closer is a legitimate horse, that should be about two, three to one. I don't got to look anymore. That's enough for him to get there. Right? So now if I, if that horse, that only closer is 30 to one, now look, well, he's probably not as good as these horses. Now I want to make sure that one of those speed horses ain't going to go, you know, can go 22 flat and the rest are going 22 and four when they're on the lead and then I want to make sure that when the speed horses are all done battling one of these middle move horses is going to come and finish them off but not really just go by them and get first run and take off you know so there's more to it dependent on the horse that's getting set up by by the you know the pace scenario.
1: And obviously I would think the higher the price of the horse you're looking at, the more forgiving you'd be as far as like, well, it might not be perfect setup, but he has a chance where like 30 to one, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to roll the dice. But if it was four to one, it's not worth it. Is that safe to say?
0: Or or if it's 30 to one, I might bet him in race. If it's four to one, he's just going to be a single in the the multiple races. Yeah. You got to get a gauge, you know, how much help, how much help does a horse, you know, sometimes I've hit horses with that kind of angle. Or even after they win, I can't believe they won, right? Because they're so inferior. It looks like they're so inferior, right? But just you know, you get a perfect storm: three horses right. battling. One of them, you know, breaks out of the pack. As soon as he does that, another one comes, and this horse hooks that one, and another, and they hook. And I'm just sitting there on the rail, you know, steering around horses, chucking along, right?
1: Yeah, no. Watching replay is just you know, I'm I'm betting against that next out basically. I'm looking and I see a replay where a horse had like the perfect setup and probably not going to happen again today. So you see a replay where a horse closes from the clouds, but like you mentioned, there's four yeah, different duels in the race. Well
0: in the past, right. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, this is, this is what happens. So you bet a horse that was on the lead uh, on a track that was outside closers. Let's just say he was on the rail. So you go, Oh wow. This horse ran good. He got beat a length and a half He come third. Right. Well, does it matter if it's going to be the same track again? So if I'm looking at biases, I, I don't really want to look too much on past biases. It's important how it's going to play today. Yeah, today it might be fair. And that's kind of why I like I like woodbine and I really like the synthetic at woodbine because it's almost fair. You know, it's fair 80% of the time, right? So, you know, I think that's a conservative number.
1: If you found a horse, let's say you're studying or you're not studying, but you're looking at replays night before you have a horse, you really, you know, like the replays, you get there early in the morning, you, you see a horse, like, I really want to key this horse, whether it's in a pick five, doubles, whatever, 10 to one, whatever, price doesn't even matter, but, um, well, maybe it does actually in this scenario, but you're going to single him. He's a closer. It's race eight. The pick five starts in race seven or something. Uh, it's a big card. And by race four, you're convinced that there's a speed bias on that track. I know you said it would, by this, not too often, but. Are you going to change your opinion now? Let's say he was 10 to one. Are you going to be like, I'm not going to single this horse anymore. I'm not betting him anymore. Or are you going to be like, you know what? I like him. I don't want to waste the 10 to one. Cause I think there might be a bias. How does that affect you?
0: Okay. So just, let's just say, so I'm going, I'm waking up in the morning thinking this horse is going to be 10 to one, right? Mm-hmm. Get to that race. If you're giving me 17, 18 to one, cause of the speed track, I might, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lay off. Yeah. If he's two to one, I'm not playing period. Right put it this way if i see four races go wire to wire right i'm playing i'm playing uh euchre on my phone app <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i don't i watch that when i start seeing them going wire to wire right i go you can have this because you know what happens after around uh, four races first of all even the dopest of all dopes betting catch on and then you get jockeys sending horses have never been to the front i had it happen to me years ago at the fairground. so it's like wire to wire, wire to wire, wire to wire. And I caught on early and late. I'm alive. I'm alive on a race where I got three horses that can possibly get the lead. And one of them looks like Lone Speed. And what happens? Uh, Rosie Pravnick on a stone closer, quarter horses, clears and, and wins by five. And I go, okay, I had enough of this stuff. Okay. Not for me because they all catch on. Even the jockeys catch on and they start, you know, they, it still goes wire to wire, but who? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, exactly. Because like you said, people who the jockey see it and they go, even if the horse doesn't appear to. Let me, tell you, let me to... Just
0: tell you another story. So this is going back to when I was playing New York, right? And this is a perfect case. I like this horse. It was a New York Philly, New York bred Philly called Board Eligible. I can't remember the trainer. It was Pablo Forgozo was riding. And this was, you know, it was one of my favorite horses. It used to come from the clouds, right? And here we are, we got seven races in or wire to wire. Board eligible is eight to five in the program, right? Long story short, board, board eligible pays twelve dollars and wins by five. <laughs> you know, so if you get, you know, it all it all depends on the odds.
1: Now, what, I don't want to belabor the point when we're on, but just real quick to follow up. What if it's in the pick five and it's like the third or fourth leg, so you have no idea the odds and you were going to single this horse? Would you just say, forget it, I'm not going to play it because of a potential bias I see? Or are you going to be like, just, hey, let me let me roll the dice anyway. I think the horse is going to be about 10 to one and I'm willing to take that even with the potential bias that they're running against.
0: Yeah, and I'll play because I'll look at it this way. If I lose 200 because of that, I'll slap my hand and say bad boy. But if I lose 20,000, I won't sleep.
1: That's a, that's a very good point. Um, all right. So last question or two on the handicap, and then we'll get some betting before we let you go. What, what exactly, what else are you looking for? So so you're looking for the pace scenario. That's one of the main things you're looking at how the race is going to shape up. And I think you're looking really your bread and butter. I think from talking to you in the past is you're looking for a lot of pace in a race where you can find a closer, preferably at a good price, who can, who can come up based on that, uh, pace scenario. Is that accurate to say?
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not stubborn. I just want to picture the race, right? Because, because if I picture the race and say, yeah, these two will hook up, right? And then, you know, the best horses are going to be sitting right behind them, you know, they have, they have, you know, they're, they're attractable, you know, they can go to the front, they can sit, I'll say, yeah, that horse is going to sit perfect right behind them and get a perfect trip. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not stubborn that way. But I just want to picture the race first and start from there.
1: So even if you think one horse is better than another, let's say they're both going to be four to one and you think the one horse is actually a, a better horse runs fast, whatever, than the two horse. They're both four to one, but you think the two has a better pace scenario. You would sooner bet the two in that race over the one. Yeah. The better so. pace scenario?
0: You know, I'm not a guy who bets individual races at those. Ones. I, so I might say, you know what? I'll play this one, you know, in my pick four, this one will be like on a $4 ticket. This one will be on a $2, you know, them for different amounts it's you know
1: right yeah and i didn't mean that's an individual that that's what i meant but you you give preference in your multi-race bets to the horse that has a better pace in there, even if yeah, you don't like him maybe as much,
0: much you know, how much better you think the horse is you know that, that's the whole thing like even even watching replays right so when i watch replays you know i'm watching replays for tomorrow and i'll have my little notebook and i'll just write race one and it'll say okay horse two this happened horse four this happened so now I got, you know, nine or 10 or 12 notes in my, my notebook. I close that, I forget about that. Now, when I get to the track, like I have to look at, before I, I, I take those notes and say, am I gonna bet something out of those? I, I, I try to wash it from my mind, because I don't wanna, you know, you'll see a horse last time that is a speed horse that got killed out of the gate, rushed up, ran into horses, and you know, ran a huge race, right? And you go, wow, this time if he breaks, he's gone, right? But you can't lock yourself in. Because now when you look at the form, there's four horses that are faster than him. He's not going to get the lead. He's moved up in class. And even though it might be tempting, but you know, you have to. So I have that, those notes, right? And then I'll look at the race. I'll look at race, you know, race one and say, okay, you know, this can possibly happen. This, And then I'll look at my notes. Wow, I can move this horse up now. But now is he still good enough to win in here? Sometimes when you got a real good note like that, it's hard to lay off when they're a big price, and I probably won't. You know, I probably, you know, know what I'm, I, I'm doing something wrong, but, but, but I don't care. If, if I see the potential for a score, I can throw a few hundred out there and say, you know, what are you gonna do, right? You know, they're big. If they're box cars, like I'll give you an example. You tap a horse that raced a mile on the turf. Now he's five furlongs on the synthetic. Right? He's four to one, seven to one, no. Thirty-five to one. You know, I I, I got to, but you
1: know, I got to do something with. It. Yeah, and, and that's something that kind of messes with me. I think a lot of people, especially if you watch replays, you see a horse based on the the trip. It doesn't have to be trouble trip, whatever. A horse gotten a speed duel with uh, you know, an amazing horse and faded to last. But the fact that he was able to keep in that speed duel for so long is impressive. You're waiting to bet him next out. Next out, he comes, and maybe the price is even right. But like you said. On paper, there's three other speeds in the race and it looks like the same thing's going to happen. Resisting the urge to bet that horse, to me, is very hard. And it's almost like your story, what you said before, I'd almost rather still bet the horse because if he comes in at a price and I don't have him, I'm going to be pissed. And if I bet him and I waste some money, uh, it's kind of like, all right, I waste money. But that's really hard to do, for me at least, to pass up on a horse that you really want to bet back because the scenario might not be great.
0: Sometimes it's the only way, you know, it's worth betting. Like, you know what happened? You see, like someone said to me, you know, this is pretty good, right? And I said, he's 7%. Yeah, it's because he doesn't know where to run them. And, and you get these guys when their horses do run a big race, you know, they run a big race for 20, they're in state races. Right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do as a better, right? You look at it and you go, man, this horse really ran good last time. And then, you know, it's a good option, you know, because now that you're going to get paid on them and you don't have to bet that much. So it is, it's hard to resist, man. And And, and you know, it's just, it's just how you scale your wager, right? You say, okay, you know what? If this horse ran back in that class, he'd be two to one. I probably, you know, wouldn't get too excited. Well, he moved up five classes. I'm getting 40 to one. Yeah, why not take a flyer on? Uh, you know,
1: can't get hurt. Let, let me ask you another. You know, this is kind of a selfish question because this comes up for me a lot and I'm sure some people out there too. So I'm watching replays and I see a horse and based on what I see, I really was impressed with the race, meaning it, it looks a lot better than it does on paper, whether it was subtle trouble, cooked in a duel, no pace to close into, but still made up ground. So I see that, but it's in a 12,500 race. And then the horse is racing for, let's say 20 grand. And you have these horses coming out of like $30,000 race. In other words, this horse has had a really impressive looking race, but against cheap horses compared to now he's going against much better horses or horses that are dropping that maybe didn't look as good in the replay, but they're going better. Do you still like, I know it's every scenario is going to be different, but do you really still upgrade the horse? Are you like, you know what? He ran impressive, but it was against twelve five, not against, say, $30,000 horses. So as impressive as it looked on the replay, he it was more because he did it against crappy horses, or are you still like, wow, that was good, and I'll give him a chance against uh, older? And obviously the price comes into play, but assuming the price is, you know, right.
0: Yeah, you know, you know for me though, the one thing that I I hate is uh when you see a horse run big, if that horse wins, I really don't like them. Now I, I know I, I've seen horses, you know, you know, win easy and move up, become nice horses, but there's so much negatives to that win. You know, there's so you know, especially you see them draw off by seven, everyone's hooting, hollering. Ooh, did you see that? Did yeah. you see that? Those are not the ones I want to see. I want to see the ones that you know we're way back they ran into horses and after the winner crossed the wire he's passing horses and, and running by right well, well, and that one in the form right that one that one in their form their last race costs you a lot of money
1: right i'm talking more about the latter of what you were talking about the horse who you know passed late and all that had the trouble whatever it was that horse is now stepping up in class he did that it looked impressive but against cheaper horses do you still find it that impressive? Or are you like, hey, I was against cheaper horse. I'm just trying to get like a feel for the handicap process. process. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, you know, but it's like gauging everything, not just the replay, right? right? If you just watch replays and every horse you see run big, if you bet those, you're going to get slaughtered. Right. 100%. I, I, I did it years ago, right? And just, you know, any horse that got left in the gate and made a big run, I bet, right? And didn't look at nothing. I, I got slaughtered, right? So, you know, yeah, I guess sometimes it might be, You know the more subtle it is right it's the more you're going to get paid it it all comes down to getting you know the value of it right of of what you're getting you know moving up right you know you you see a chad brown turf horse run for maiden 50 and do that next time out i don't care even if he runs against winners you're not going to get odds but if you get shimavu Duvadal, you know do that you're going to get paid and you probably lose but you know it's worth it to me. It's just, it's not easy for anyone. And it's not easy for me either. You know, when, when you see something and you're getting that kind of a price, it's all, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know like if you're a win better, you don't bet the same to win on every horse. Do you? I hope not. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's the way I gauge it. Right. Yeah, sure. I'm going to bet that horse at 30 to one or 20 to one, but how much am I going to bet? You know, and,
1: yeah. And, and very last handicapping question. What are like, uh, there's so much information in the program. There's a lot that I don't really look at. Like, I don't really care that much personally. I, I could be wrong, but about weight. If horses are going from 124 to 120, I, I basically don't even look. If there's like a two pound overweight. I just kind of ignore it for the most part. Um, are there things in the program that you just don't pay attention to? You spend, you know, speed figures, you don't really look at. You look at the track variant and the number next to it. Uh, but are there things like weight, workout times in the bottom? Uh, anything else that you kind of don't really waste too much time on or doesn't really factor into your handicapping?
0: Honestly, under the other than the running lines, I don't really need anything else. Really? Wow. The class, you know, the but, basic yeah. things, but all the stuff they started adding, like uh, the jockey trainer combination, mm-hmm. uh, the trainer stats at the bottom. Well, those were all good information when everyone didn't have them. Right. And, and without mentioning names, I'll, I can go through a, a whole bunch of trainers that are right now can't lose first time out and two years ago were over 50 first time out. Maybe they're looking at that too if they're gamblers, right?
1: I wouldn't doubt it.
0: And there's one right now in Churchill. He's just unconscious. Never, never won with a first year. Not that he couldn't. He just never tried to. And now he can't lose, really. He's like, like just unriddled.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I never thought of that. Like, you know, for example, in New York, Bill Mott never won first time starters. Like don't waste money on it. And now he's like 20%. He wins first time. So I don't know what, I never thought about it with, um, you know, seeing their uh, numbers there in the program. One, and all.
0: There was one and I'll tell you one in, when I used to play the fairgrounds. So I'll just give the last, the last name. And there was two of them, Nicks. Yep.
1: Okay.
0: So there was two of them. Right. So I don't, I, I but here's a guy that was like, 18% first time out with like a $7 ROI. And then the next year was zero first time out, right? And second time out, he was 24% with a $7 ROI. So, you know, coincidence maybe, right? Got to give people benefit of the doubt, right? But, you know, I just don't pay none attention. I wouldn't use formulator if you paid me to, to use it. I don't. I don't believe in algorithms and all that stuff. There's guys who can do it a lot better than they, what, like, I'll give you another one. Like uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's the term, EV? Yep. Okay. So I hear guys preach about EV. So you're gonna bet on EV and right after you do it, these guys who bet 40% of their pool are gonna come in right after you. Good luck to you, right? I'm trying to play a game that first of all, the computer players aren't. Cause that's when you look at this game right now, that's who you gotta be, right? And something well, you can beat them. No, they won't lose, but you can beat them. You can take advantage of them. And I'll give you an example. Last race Sunday at Woodbine, I'm alive. I'm alive onto a horse for a good score in the pick four. And the other one, I didn't use. The race set up for two horses. I didn't use the other one. I just used the long shot. And it's three minutes to post. And and the other horse, who I thought you know, like best trainer on the track, dropping three classes. Obviously, not the greatest form, but it was cheap, cheap, like five claimers or 10 claimers. And I'm looking and I go, you know, and I was looking there. there my horses are five to one and 12 to one, right? And I go, okay, I'm going to play an exact. I'm going to play a small exact with the horse I need on top and play a big one. And the exactor's paying, you know, like 80 something dollars, right? And between me and my friend, you know, we probably had it for at least 200 between us. We get picked up by the horse we didn't have, the exactor comes in, it pays 192. Like I remember a day and age, you know, that you bet a hundred dollar exactor late, you, you hurt the price guaranteed. We got another $110 on top. Like, you know, it's like, and I'm pretty sure that's the computer players. What there's so many of them that they overcompensate. So what I mean is if a horse is supposed to be five to one, right? And he's going in the gate at seven to one, he might be four to one where if he's three to one, he might be six to one. There's, you know, they just kind of eat at each other. I I think I'm not, but, but, you know, all these things that all these, you think they don't have all these uh, speed figures in their systems. Mm -hmm. How how do you beat these guys? Right. How do you beat these guys? Everything that every, all the top players out there talk about these guys do it better. So they're trying to emulate, emulate these guys. Well, I don't want to emulate them. I want to stay the hell away from them do the opposite of what they do believe it or
1: not and, and and that's you know i i've kind of over the years more emulated what you do because it's the same con- it's that concept you're trying to do things that they can't do so those replays i feel are so valuable because like you mentioned about subtle trouble trips or you know to me you know, the major difference i know between us and then i'm sure you're making a lot more money is the fact that um you know you're more betting woodbine synthetic looking for closers and i'm betting more dirt in the u.s looking for speed horses so i love horses that get in like these big speed duels uh betting back next time because they don't get in that speed duel obviously every case is different but they're going to run a lot better not getting in that speed duel especially if they're dropping in class um so it's the same concept does a, a computer better is there algorithms taking that into account? You know, the fact that they were in a speed duel. it might take the time into account or lens they were ahead possibly, but um, that's what you're looking for, things like that. And I think the way you bet and the way you explained how you bet or at least how you handicap tries to get you an edge from those computer bettors, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not that close-minded, believe me. I, I, I get excited on the synthetic when there's a, you know, I think a horse can win easy on the front, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> it, you can win easy on the front, but you can't, you can't battle three horses and win. Right. You know, that nonsense. Like, how, how can you play that nonsense? Right? You, I just can't. You know, three horses, you know, going 22, 44, and, and they come first, second, and fourth. <laughs> I, I can't play. How do how, you, how, you know, like, what are you betting? Like, I, I don't get it. You, you know, th- th- maybe that's good for the speed figure guys and that I or don't. whatever, man. Just, you know, the way I look at it, horses knock heads. Somebody picks them up. Horses get loose. They're supposed to win. You know, and that woodbine, you know, you, you can't you you can win on the lead. They win on the lead every day. It's just you, you know, you you can't you can't really get propelled to the winner's circle on.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Like watching say like New York dirt racing, it's just there isn't speed rule, so it is what you said. It's the horse that wires the field. I, I don't really see too often in New York. I mean, it happens, I'm sure, much more than, than in woodbine um but you know usually when you get three horse duels I, I don't necessarily think they hold on maybe they do more than i think but um you know i i'm looking to bet some of those horses who got in that three horse duel faded next yeah, time New out that's because...
0: a bad example but you know Monmouth, Gulf spring Park, Yeah, that, that's you know, true the tracks are playing like that it's just a joke Hey, we, we, yeah. we have those days here right you know we have mm-hmm. those days here it's just you know i just i just stop i i, I don't want to play
1: Right. (laughs) That's interesting. Instead of, you know, trying to catch up with the bias, but you made the point before that other people are doing the same. So your prices are not going to be there anyway.
0: I've seen one jockey and he's retired who could take a total speed ball, bring them dead last and make them run. It was the Silva here. Yeah. I don't see anyone else that even attempts it. Hmm. I, I know a trainer that does it right. There's a trainer, Robert Tiller here that tries to get all the sources to come from the back.
1: Yeah.
0: And not only it's good on the surface, you don't eat rubber. Some horses don't like that kickback mm-hmm. and his horses almost to a horse said that in circle 10 wide.
1: Really? Yeah. And he's a, uh, he's successful there too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got, he's got a monster named Pink Lloyd that he'll send to the front. Right. Yep. But, but he, he just said it. Pink Lloyd uh, just went a race where uh, he sat, he kind of sat with another horse and played with them and just grew up with the wire. Mm-hmm. Right. And the trainer said it, you know, someone, you know, the race kind of went 109 and change, which wasn't that fast he said he said and he kind of got a bit uptight about his baby and said hey if there was a pace to run that you would have seen the time because this horse likes to come from the clouds right uh-huh. but he's, he's good enough to go to the front he's good enough to sit second but w- when pink lloyd comes off the pace in his prime i would you know I, I was i used to beg him to go go into the breeder's cup right because the horse had dirt breeding on the bottom on the mother's mm-hmm. side had slop breeding beyond belief like being you know a great gladiator bloodline and, and the thing is when 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 he stopped going to the front because they were just letting him go to the front there were walkovers when you know he he had a race one time seven furlongs he went dead last and just you got to see this horse man like this was a miler if i ever saw one and we don't got a one-turn mile a year you know, just just too bad that that was the end of him. I think he's re- he retired him after the race on the weekend.
1: Oh, he did. Oh, he went out a like winner. Years
0: old, man. So a horse that yeah. was a hard horse to keep together is why he said he never brought him to the states.
1: Yeah, interesting. No, I'm glad. He, I mean, I'm glad he's going out healthy. I assume and, and a the winner, so that's nice because I know how successful he's been up in Canada. Um, all right. If you don't mind, I just want to talk a little bit about some betting stuff, and then uh, we'll let you go if you have a few more minutes. So you don't really bet too often individual races or vertical wages, if you want to call it that. Not that you don't, like you mentioned that exact bet and all that. So are you more, uh, it's like pick five or pick six, even not jackpot. Uh, Is that like your go-to or is it pretty evenly split up between doubles, pick threes, pick four, pick five?
0: Well, I look at it this way. The The key factor is every time I pull up my money, I want to get, basically, I'm trying to get at least 50 times return. So the first thing is, how do I make a score? So I like a horse in race four. How do I make a score? If he's a low price, maybe a double won't do it. Maybe a pick three won't do it. Maybe I got to play the pick four. If he's 30 to one, I guess I can bet to win, try to hit the exact, right? So it's the whole thing is I got to make a score. So I would say, you know, I I would look at it that way. Start at a number where when I pull up my money, I got to get 40 to one on my money. So you love a horse, he's four to one. How do I get 40 to one on him? Is it the exacta? Is it the double? That's the way I look at it. Because what happens when you play, you know, when you're playing regularly and you're playing win plays or win and exactas and tries and doubles, it's when you go on, you know, especially win, right? When you're playing win, when you go on that slump, you're gonna, you're really gonna lose a lot of money making a lot of bets, win bets. If you're playing pick threes, pick fours, and the way I play them, basically cold and swinging for big big odds, you're not going to bet a lot. And when you go on those cold runs, you're not going to really get killed. So I think that's important. Just think in the long game. Like, uh, what's that old saying? Or you, know, you can beat a, a race, but you can't beat the races? It's the other way around. You can't beat a race. Tell me which race you're sure you can beat. But if you play it right and do everything right, you don't get this game figured out, you can beat it in the long – you can beat the races beating a race is impossible to me yeah, every we all do it but to say i'm going to beat this race i'm going to bet one race a month right and i'm going to bet thirty thousand on them right no 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 you're not going to go far like that
1: yeah i don't know who has the discipline to wait that long anyway but i hear what you're saying.
0: you say to lose for a month is that <laughs> what you know? so what's the difference right but
1: while well, sitting out some people can't sit out yeah and
0: all... a, and another thing I th- i'll tell you another thing that's important is uh Limiting your losses, knowing when you can afford to lose every week and pulling up after you've lost it. That's the most important thing. Like even in any kind of betting, right? Had a guy, you know, a friend of mine loved to bet sports, right? And he goes, I don't know. I'm good at, you know, know, he's an expert, but he keeps losing. And all I needed is plays for one week to figure out, right? Actually one day, because... When he, where he was betting uh, the weekend that after the Monday night football games. So Monday was the last day of the betting week. Mm-hmm. And, and basically if you're down money going into Monday, say you're down 500 going into Monday and you bet 500 to get even, you'll never win in gambling. But if you're up 500 going into Monday, you bet the whole 500, it's going to be hard to beat you in gambling. It's as simple as that. So you have a limit. Okay. So. You have to really be realistic. Say, okay, if my limit is 400 a week, can I sustain this going forward? Okay, the answer is yes. You get to that 400, then you can say, okay, I'm out. You know, it's it's uh, it's Sunday tomorrow. I got one more day in this week. I'm out. Okay, we can issue another hundred. Let's just say, but cap it at that. But when you're up, the worst thing you can do when you're winning is take a pay. I hear guys all the time. Oh, I'm up. I'm going home with my money. Oh, oh, I'm up. I'm not going to give it back. No, that's the time where you got a fire. That That's the time where I go pick up a form off the floor because I only printed out wood buying. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I had, One of the biggest days I ever had, I hit, I hit, I hit a, back then bet three, six, five took Canadian bets. I hit a hundred dollar parlay on three horses. I paid 127,000. I cashed, I cashed altogether with that. 240000 one day on a Sunday. Like I couldn't, I couldn't miss, right? I actually got photoed in the first pick four for about 24000 I got photoed in the first double for about the same, or I got photoed twice on that. Now I'm going good, right? And I remember I had the form, I had the form, I had these coupons getting comp free forms at Woodbine. So I had the form with just Woodbine. I threw the rest in the garbage. On the back end of Woodbine, there was three races up on um, Belmont. Right, So I'm just looking. I look. Here's this like stake race, and I can't remember the trainer's name. Jesus. Uh, well, anyway, so there's a there's a pace scenario, a ton of speed, and two closers. One of the closers is six to one in the morning line. One is twenty to one. I bet four hundred to win on it. Set the alarm on my phone. I'm sitting outside watching Woodbine. It's Mm -hmm. two minutes to post. I put it on. Now I see there's three scratches and there's not as much pace. The horse is 44 to one long story short. I, he got up last jump. So when you're going, when you're going good fire, man, fire, you know, fire when you're going bad. And that's what the limit, that limit, that limit is the most important thing that keeps you from winning or losing period.
1: Yeah. One thing that I've, I've said on here multiple times in the past is very similar advice. And, a lot of people betting like pick fives, cause it's a very popular wager. That's the wager that I prefer. Although I'll see the scenario and doubles, pick threes, whatever's uh, my fits my opinion. But so many people feel they have to add like the favorite and spread more than they have to. I know you're like the opposite of that. But one of the things I say is by spreading, yeah, you're covering yourself maybe, but each time you spread, you're, you're just wasting money on horses that you don't like. And it's just building up how much you're losing. So You're not limiting your losses, and a big part of this game is just limiting your losses, like you said, so that when you do win, you don't have to overcome being down a thousand. You overcome you being down two hundred dollars a lot easier, something like that.
0: Yeah, well, it's okay to like if you. This is like like the way I play. Just say that main ticket, that spread ticket.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Just say it costs eighty dollars for fifty cents. I'm gonna bet another hundred and sixty or more in presses. So if you're going right, and- to spread and knowing that you're going to play double what you spread on in presses, okay, I guess, but playing that one ticket's insanity because back to what I said earlier about, you know, do you bet the same amount to win on every, every horse? I want to have a different amount on every combination in the pick five. And if you can't afford to spread out like that and play, you know, this combination for 50, this one for two, for four, for 18, for and, and then break down every race almost like that. Well, then you shouldn't be playing it. It makes no sense to play. You know, you got three hundred and you know. I see guys spend one hundred and eighty dollars. They got three hundred and sixty combinations, and they're all for the same amount. It's sheer lunacy, and most players do that.
1: So, so you start to answer the question. So, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you. Let's say you have someone who is not as big a player. They have sixty or eighty dollar budget. Let's say they want to um, spend on a pick five, and you're saying that if they can do that. $80 bet with presses and different amounts based on their opinion, if that's just going to be like one ticket, because that's all they can afford and they're better off just not playing the pick five, you think, and, and play like a pick four, pick three, where they can press.
0: No, if you're spending 60, you play a $20 ticket and you press for 40. If not, give your money to somebody who needs it more than you do.
1: Right. So if you, if you, you can away. come up.
0: Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. There's no, there's no instant like, okay, I shouldn't say no instance, right? If you're playing a ticket where you look at it and you say, okay, no matter what comes in on this ticket, I'm going to make over 10,000, right? Mm-hmm. That means leaving a lot of, and trying to do that on one ticket, somewhere on that ticket, probably half of it is going to be low. You know, if you get favorite, favored, and you're sp- so it's, it's insanity. There, there is very few exceptions where you can play. Hey, listen, I hit, the, I hit the, I hit the pick six in Hong Kong with one of those tickets, right? But I keyed a $10 horse, first of all. And then I used, I used in a six horse race, I threw out a horse that even I thought couldn't lose. Hmm. A horse that was like, you know, one to two, and, and I was going to key him. And then when I looked at the rest of my ticket, I go, well, this won't get me anywhere. No, You know, I got a bomb here and a bomb there, you know. I'm looking to hit big. I threw them out and used six horses and beat them, you know, beat them by a the nose, but that's what made me get the jackpot. And, and I'm playing for these scores. So, you know, you know, guys want to, you know, can I be a little vulgar?
1: Yeah, I don't care. Go for it.
0: Okay. So that jackpot, the, the Grand Slam, right? In New York, where you have to, oh. get to show in four races than the winner, right? It, it, it's like, it's like renting a porno and playing with yourself for the whole hour, you know what I mean And nothing is happening until that the end, the last scene of the five, right okay It's just like that that's what I seem to think the pick five is guys are f- figuring if I make it three races, I'm gonna save this kind of money from not betting. If I make it four races, oh wow, I get to see a payoff and it's it's just silliness like silliness on on so many levels it ain't funny. Right. And I have good friends who play those tickets all the time. And I stopped giving them hack Just you know, they're going to do what they want to do and pray to hit those, you know, $30,000 where the long shot comes in and all their spread races and that you can do that once in a while, but you got to play the cards that are dealt to you. This is the, the thing you hear all the time. Uh, hey, Jim, you going to play the pick five today. Ah, oh, no, it looks all chalky. If it looks all chalky, you got to figure it out. Key all the chocks play a 20, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it just drives
1: me crazy. Just, like- yeah, one thing I, I try and I don't know get across the message, and uh, it, it's often on deaf ears because I hear whether it's you know other shows or just people talking, uh, you know, the guys on TV doing the races or, or on Twitter or just friends, even I always hear, oh, you know, that horse looks tough, he, he, he's a single, you know, who's the most likely single, and they're looking for like the three to five shot that's maybe the most likely winner. Doesn't mean that's the most likely or best single or multiple singles on the card. Like to me, I'm trying to find a price horse that I like and single that horse because I don't aim as high as you maybe. You know, I'm looking to get at least like 20 to one in a bet. If I can't get about 20 to one, then I don't want to do it. Maybe I should raise my, you know, thing to like yours, 40, 50 to one. But to me, like I'm trying to single, it doesn't matter the price, but you know, a price horse, not the favorite. That's when I'm able to hit my bigger scores when I'm keying on a horse that's not a favorite really. that's good. Not that you can't key on a favorite or anything, But the problem I think people have is you kind of alluded to it. They single this three to five horse and then they're spreading like crazy everywhere of the race, hoping that the bomb comes in and not the chalk. And then the chalk comes in and they, they win, but they lose money or, you know, something like that happens. Um, If you are singling like a 10 to one shot now you said in your big score at Hong Kong, you left out that one to two shot. You wouldn't even, if you were singling like, let's say in a pick five, I'm singling a 10 to one and a six to one, two singles in another race. You don't love the favorite but you're spreading, would you just throw that favorite in because you don't want to get screwed if the 10-to-1 and 6-to-1 singles come in? Would you add that favorite?
0: No, the first draft of my ticket, that horse was a single, right? Okay. And my ticket is sitting there, and I'm saying, okay, if this horse wins, the, you know, I got a long shot here, I got two long shots in my other spread race, and I got one long shot in the last race. And even if that comes perfect, 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 right, Does it really justify an $800 investment? Right. And I'm saying, you know what? If I get one of these long shots and I beat this horse, right? It is a horse race after all. And I said, you know what? Let me just beat this horse. And I very rarely, I'm the last guy on earth who's trying to beat the favorite. (laughs) Been there, done that, got crucified doing it. Because what happens when you try to beat the favorite all the time? Every favorite you see, your mind says that's what we're trying to beat, even though he can't possibly lose. So if you start trying to beat every favorite, you're not gonna go far. I'll take you usually in a pick five. If you see if I see a race of horses one to five, I think he can lose. Good. Let's let's start with him as my cold horse. It's not one race, it's five races. I hear guys talk all the time. If if your horse is an even money horse, right? And mm-hmm. you're getting one to two, you shouldn't use them. Yeah, in one race. But when you look at a pick five, it's a whole, it's a pick five. It's all, you have to look at the value of the five races combined. So what I'm getting one to two on a horse that should pay $4 in that race. So what if it makes it, you know, where I can still kill them, right? I, you know, when you cash 40,000, right? You, you bet 200, you cash 40,000 and someone comes to, you, you know, if You got proper value, you would have cost you would have caught 44. You know, like, oh, my heart's broken, <laughs> woe is me. You know what I mean? Like, it just kills me when guys are talking about you know that EV on one race, but it's a five race bet, right? It's a five race bet. So I'm supposed to take the horse that's three to one who should be two to one, even though I hate him. Sure, if it's a single race bet and I like that one to two, I, I don't bet, but this one, right. you know. I know if, I'm, if I hit all five races, that's the whole thing with me. I know if I hit all five races, I'm gonna make a score, whether I hit three, four to fives or two, ten to ones. I, the way I played, it's gonna be a score. You know, I'm usually alive. When I'm alive on something, I'm alive for nine dollars, eighteen dollars. Hey, sometimes you know, fifty cents, a dollar, and a dollar fifty depends on the scenario. But you know, whether I'm alive for fifty cents or fifty dollars, the payoffs are usually about the same. You know, the totals.
1: Well, yeah, if you're keying in more on, on the shorter prices, definitely. Um, so let's say you're, you're looking at a pick five sequence and you really like three legs and they're not together. So you can't make it into a double or a, a pick three. You like leg one, three and five, but two and four have you a little perplexed. You can single or go maybe too deep at most in the other ranks. You okay, feel so like what are the two.
0: odds on those three? The races one, three and five.
1: Well, let's say they are decent prices. Let's say you know they're not necessarily odds-on favorites. They're three-to-one, uh, five-to-one range.
0: Okay, so this this will be the first ticket, fifty cents. Okay, let's just say I'm using the one in every race in the first three okay. number one, one all one all one. 50 cents. The next ticket, one with two three seven eight nine with one with all with one fifty cents. One with all with one with one two eight nine ten, with one. Then one with two three seven nine with one with two three seven eight ten with one and then keep going down one with two three with one with two six seven, you know what I mean and just right. keep breaking it down like that right and now I look at them right I look at them and I say okay if the top line wins all yeah you know if I get one of those bombs in there that I don't have on my next level yeah this will pay okay everything pays pays and right down and, and and there I am. You know, it's simple for me and, and I whip buy it. it's even easier because you can start at 20 cents.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I can, you can see.
0: Also, you, know, you, you can have two horses in a race that have no chance. Right. And, you know, I would usually say throw them out. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're doing alls for two dollars, if you're using like, you know, uh, four horses for ten dollars and the other three for two dollars, you can use those two for 20 cents. Because because like, you know, hedging. Hedging is okay if it, if it, you know, if it makes you sure you're gonna get something. I was alive last night. I don't know if you seen it. I posted a hockey ticket. I didn't see No. I posted a two hundred dollar parlay, and I was alive going to the last game for fourteen thousand. dollars So I bet a thousand. Ooh. I bet a thousand on the other team just to ensure a win, and you know I lost the parlay. I got the thousand, but you know, I, I've I, seen it all the time where a guy would have everyone but the two bombs in the pick four, and it's paying good. And not only do they bet them right they'll bet like fifty dollars each on them where to begin with if they would have spent four dollars they would have been covered you know for 20 cents mm-hmm. and then even the worst thing they'll make those two horses their best results because they bet you know they bet on them you know but but it's easy i don't mind i don't mind hedging like that where that those last two horses you know they have no shot and i shouldn't have them on my ticket but if it's costing me four dollars on a 200 dollar bet Yeah, I'll put them in for the 20. And that's a great thing about, the only good thing about the 20-cent bet. Right. The problem is, if a lot of your players did it, like, you know, they'll play like the pick six, right, in America. They're Mm -hmm. just going to have an extra two and a half combinations.
1: I I think, well, pick six, if you're telling 20-cent with the jackpot, whatever. But, um, you know, I think it it gets expensive. You mentioned in Canada with the 20-cent pick fives and stuff like that or other wagers too. it, It becomes a little easier for people to, press like you said and and you know spread maybe Uh,
0: it becomes becomes easier for people to guarantee they lose because they don't they don't press they just play more
1: horses right and we talked about that in the past and that's absolutely true what people do and one thing i I actually learned or heard it from you first and and we've talked about on the air when we covered kind of woodbine racing is that the favorites typically pay better at woodbine because everyone's spreading so much in these bets where uh and, and then Comparatively speaking, like when we see these, like Naira has a $1 pick six now, and it knows because people can't spread so much for the most part, you beat a favorite and it it pays, lights out, um, you know, considerably better than uh, it normally would. Is that somewhat accurate?
0: Yeah, if you go back to the $2 Naira pick six, right, you get two two 10 to one shots on on a zero carryover, and you almost, that's a full shot. Yeah. You know, and now it's, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, it's not that easy, but I know exactly what you're talking about at Naira. I don't play it that often, but yeah, I see some of the results. You, you get you get two dollars horses and, you know, yep. if it's not a string of real chocks, but in the other legs, yeah, it's nobody hits it yep. where at Woodbine in the, you know, pick four, you get 490 to one shots and, and five guys hit it.
1: Yep. And one thing I also find playing, I guess you're really just pretty much playing Woodbine, but playing smaller tracks, like even mid major tracks. Like I like to play Laurel. I have a lot of friends in Maryland and, and follow the racing fairly closely. Other than New York, that's probably what I follow the most. And even in a track like that, where they are maybe getting 20, 30,000 in a, a pick five pool, I think there's so many smaller bettors at those tracks that people are betting in their pick five tickets, like 10, $20. And that's like their spreadiest ticket. And as a result, now some people bet $20 and just use non-favorites, but these people are generally using all the chalk. So even in tracks like that, where it's still a 50 cent minimum, you're, you're getting disproportionate value on the long shots because they're not spreading. It's like the same thing as if it was a dollar, $2 bet. Um, so that's one thing, just advice I have, even though there's more about your advice, but uh, uh, I, I've always found that. You beat like at Laurel, for example, you beat a, a two to five shot. I, that's like the whole world that Laurel is singling him. Uh, you get such value for for beating a horse like that, more so in a smaller track than the larger track. I found. I don't know if you found that or you don't look at other tracks to really. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. I agree with you 100%. The only problem is with those smaller pools. You know, you're gonna hit a you're gonna hit a pool shot one day where it should have been <laughs> 150,000 instead of 30, 30.
1: Exactly. That's why you know it makes it tougher, and you know the weekends are better, and obviously the carryover days are uh, the better days. Um, all right. Well, I kept you a long time. I have like a million questions, but I'm gonna kind of wrap it up there because I appreciate you spending so much time. Do you have like any parting advice to someone who's just getting learning the game, hopefully not sarcastic, like stay away, but um, someone who's kind of new, because we do have a lot of people who are fairly new to the game who are just getting to horse racing. Any tips for them on how they can learn better, what resources to use or, or any, any kind of tips for them?
0: Well, the first thing I remember what I did when, you know, when I was just starting and uh, I started off in the harness game. And the harness was a lot easier to read the program. They raced a mile every time, they raced every week, you know. There wasn't much, you know, it wasn't that hard to learn. And then reading the the first time I picked up the racing form, I was going, what the heck is going on? And I I really fell in love with the thoroughbreds, watching them run compared to the harness and sitting there in the sunlight instead of at night. And I remember walking out and one day and seeing they had the thing on the wall from DRF that, you know, the guy to read the form, the legend. So I got with that. And what what I started doing is I, I remember it was a, uh, it was winter and there was no racing in Toronto and I get up and get the streetcar once a week and I'd go take the streetcar to this bookstore that sold the form for uh, Florida racing, whether it was called or Hialeah or Gulfstream and, It'd be there in the morning. I get it in the morning and I'd study it for days. And the next, the, the next day, I remember the next day I would get the local paper, right. You know, I'd steal it from the newspaper box and put it under my mattress and leave it there with the results and study that form. Just say, you know, for Thursday at Calder and study it for a week. And, and basically long story short, do, you know, play the game through a fantasy way, keep, keep my bets on a piece of paper and do all that and not risk my real money. And then, you know, once, you know, and sure enough, once you think you got it, you're going to go to the track and get murdered. Right? <laughs> that's What happened to me? I thought I had it all done, Now I'm ready. Right. <laughs> but, but th- that's what I would do to begin with. Why, why pay, you know, when you're, in a, you know, you're learning, why, 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 why should you lose your money when you're learning? I would play it that way. Play it on pen and paper for fun and keep track of it that way. And you know what? If you got a good job, it might be a good thing to do the rest of your life. Just play that way, actually. Or, or another thing, you know, when, you, uh, when you're when you a bit more advanced, right? I don't know if you know what a Miami wager is.
1: I'm not familiar with the term. you Heard of Miami? I don't think this so. Is
0: how I, I was in a contest. I would buy and these two gentlemen from Ohio were there. And one of them, we're in a tent and it's kind of off the track. And he said, you know, he goes, uh, is there a bank close here? Right. He goes, I need to change my American money. Well, "Well, you can change it in there. There's a window inside the track. And he said, okay. So I walked him in and we, on the way out, he went to the, he goes, I just got to make a phone call. So I'm waiting for him. it's like 15 minutes. He's still on the phone. And I walk over to him. Right. And he's reading out, he's reading out, okay, Laurel race one uh number two laurel race two number four and he went through every track running that day every race and given a number of and then he's done and now he's listening and whoever's on the other end is giving him his picks and what they did is they they booked each other's bets win play show at every track every race right and they were doing it like a dollar across or i think they were doing it more but i would suggest doing it cheap so you can do something like that with your friends, where there's no takeout, and one of you is going to go home winning every day. Mm. You know, this is this is while you're learning, right? Right. To me, well, I, I'm I'm the type that at the end of the day, if I lost a hundred dollars, I'd rather my friends get it to the track. So there's yeah. different ways of doing it until you get. You don't have to have to actually risk your money to learn this game, right? And I think that's the best way to go. I know you're not going to get that rush. And when you're picking winners, you're going to say, look at this. I should have won. But I guarantee you, when you start this game and for a while, you're going to be a loser at this game. So if you're serious about it, you know, if you're not serious about it, and you're going to the track for entertainment, go at it. Go have fun. Do whatever you want, right? But if you're serious about it, I I would do it that way. And and keep track of when you do pick them right, where are you picking them right? And what races and what classes and what, you know, and things like that, right? Try to get it a gist of what you're doing well and then either stick to that or work on the stuff that you're not good at right and and for me it's it's funny where at Gulfstream if I'm playing Gulfstream I hate five furlong turf races if I'm playing Keeneland I focus on five and a half furlong turf races Mm -hmm. it's just to know you know not to pigeonhole yourself and then to know at this track I can do this and that track or what type of bets you're good at but Yeah, you can learn a lot in this game without risking your money. It's free. Woodbine, you can drive in, park your car for free. You can go sit in the grandstand for free. You can sit anywhere you want for free. And you don't have to bet. No one's going to force you to bet. That's the best advice I think possible, right?
1: No, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, it's not exactly the same, but the amount that I wager now compared to what I wagered 5, 10 years ago and then even 20 years ago is insane, I would think of myself now. But... I wasn't betting that much. I was losing, you know, considerably all the, not a lot of money, but I was always losing, not always, but you know, over the year I would lose and lose and lose. So I didn't want to invest that much. Then when I started to do better and win some money, now I started to up my bets and up my bets to where I'm, you know, if I'm confident, but if I felt that I couldn't win, then I I would definitely be lowering my, uh, the bet. So it's kind of the same idea. Just start off slow until you get the hang of it. And then you can slowly build up um, from, from there. So I think that's terrific advice personally. Uh, and it would not be a podcast with uh, with you without uh, asking you. Is everyone in Toronto Land okay? Are they off the ledges because the Maple Leafs won a couple of games? Are we okay now?
0: No, you don't understand Toronto hockey fans. Uh, uh, it's it's like watching the Leafs is like getting up, having a coffee. It's just part of our life, and, and it really is like. It's the game is over. It's over. And we can't wait for the next one, whether they lose every game or win every game. It's just part of who we are. It, it, it's, you know, sure we'd rather win than lose, but it's not, trust me, it's not a big deal. It's not like Montreal where they're on suicide watch right now. Really? No, you, you <laughs> see, the media, see the media, the media, That's- the media does not speak for the average Lee fan here. They got to sell newspapers and do all this stuff. And, Oh there's trouble in Toronto and this and that. I'll tell you a story once we were we were 10 games from the end of the season we were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I remember I was at a game we were playing the St. Louis Blues and there was fights we won the fights and, and you know we scored a goal to win late. It was like we won the cup. The place went nuts. 10, we're 10 games out, 70 games into the season we're mathematic the place went nuts. Absolutely nuts. We love our team. I don't think any other. Honestly, don't think any other team has a fan base where you know. I've been to I've been to an LA Kings game in LA, and the Leafs are the home team in LA. Trust me, almost everywhere we can go now. There's some cities that I think Boston sells. It's hard to get tickets, but almost every city we play in, we're the home team. The and in like Florida. Ottawa there's cities that are the leaf games cost more than regular season games you can look that up
1: yeah it's it's interesting that you say that because uh, the first thing then it's more the media hype i guess or or whatever because all you see on twitter social media you name it websites it's all about panic in toronto and chaos in toronto and keef's on the on the bubble here and this and that and uh, what's the GM's name? I forgot the young guy. Uh, whatever his name is, you know, does he know what he's doing? Dupa, but you're saying Kyle it's more Dupa, the media.
0: Kyle Dupa. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great general manager. A guy that his parents bought a junior team, made him GM. And somehow he's a GM in the NHL. And he has this knack for hiring people from his hometown, Sault Ste. Marie, <laughs> including the – it's not they, they, – no. they were one game. And I tell you to a person, that game against Chicago where they pulled that off, Right. With all the things, everybody wanted the Leafs. All every Leaf fan wanted them to lose so they could fire either the coach or the GM. <laughs> that, that's for well, sure.
1: I I have to thank you guys so much for getting rid of Lou Lamarillo because as a huge Islander fan,
0: he
1: he turned our franchise around. I mean, we were I mean, a was, laughingstock. The
0: second string, and that group of GMs we had. Yeah, Lou was second string. The Hunt, you know, Hunter. The Hunter brothers are hockey geniuses. Not only did we not take the Hunter brothers and not take old man Lou. Well, we kept this Dupa, you know, Kyle Dupa.
1: All right. Any anti-Leaf talk i like to hear. So at least he got there eventually. Hey, listen, (laughs)
0: listen. We know, I'll I'll tell you another thing. The Leafs power play was, was horrible, right? So 20 games in the last season, you could tell. It's Morgan Riley on the power play. He won't, he just takes too long with a puck. And I'm telling everyone, just watch, just watch. So everyone I know now knows it's the blame. A week ago, they finally figured out, as soon as he gets the puck, now it's off his stick. Mm. It took a year for this dumbass coach to figure that out. Now yeah. that's one thing. Use a turmoil. Nobody likes the coach because of that. Uh, I don't know, you know, Amazon did a thing with the Leafs.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, and the coach, everyone hates him because of that. Comes off like a jerk. Yep. And not everyone hates the GM, but you can kind of see where it's, you know, might as well be someone doing a fantasy hockey team on an app on his phone.
1: That's always my, well, the knockdown here, at least, about Luis, that they put together this kind of fantasy hockey team, not realizing. You know, and then they tried to get the sandpaper guys or whatever. Uh, they got, uh, what, Simmons. They got uh, Thornton at the end of their careers, though, you know, it's kind of. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were good moves. Hey, but Simmons, the same kind of
0: Simmons and Spets are been our two most consistent players all year, so you can't knock them. They're just yeah. kept on the fourth line. They should be on the first and second line.
1: Well, imagine you actually had players like that in their prime and stuff like that. That would be pretty impressive. But hey, we
0: let we let Hyman go, right? Or probably our best yeah. player. They helped
1: Edmonton year. big time.
0: Right, by far the most consistent player, and they let him go because analytic wise, he's not worth X amount of the. But they kept someone like Jake Muzzin you know, or they could have got, you know, I'm not just saying nothing against Jake Muslim, but for the same amount of money, they right. could have left them unprotected. Seattle would have probably took them. And, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, you know, everyone here was cheering for the, co- they cheer for the least, but they were willing to lose five games in a row to get rid of the coach of the GM.
1: <laughs> well, I like it. And I love you guys giving us Lou, I very happy in hindsight at the time. We weren't so happy, but you took Tavares and that was uh. A big boost to our organization. We didn't know it at the time, but that was a huge, huge help. So I don't know
0: why, man. This guy, this guy's i never seen a hockey player like him.
1: You know never you know seen what
0: anyone who takes who a beating in front of the net and like for a star player, like this guy is a captain. This guy really like I, I was always impressed from, since he was a junior, but yep. to see him every day. Wow, man, that's all I can say is wow, what a hockey player.
1: What well, I will say the player. the the main reason why it was good that he's gone, other than salary cap implications. He is such, and I'm not trying to take away from him by saying this. He is such a serious person, I think, and player that he almost cast a pall over the locker room where everyone was afraid to like just be themselves. He left, and they got Andersley Lee as captain. And now it's like the closest knit team in, in hockey. Before that, it, it was not at all. And oh no, 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 I'm telling you. Not that John he's a bad guy. That. He's not at all. I mean, he, he was a snake with I I know
0: guys who played with John and Jr. And now, right? Listen, if you he, guys had if you guys could just magically get John Taveras on that team right now and give up nothing, right? You'd get the cup. Ah.
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But he would not be welcome back, even if it meant winning the cup, I yeah, think. Yeah, so. but
0: yes, yes, on that. <laughs>
1: yeah he well, sure could be. i i don't know that the whole and it wasn't necessarily the coaching change which obviously was a huge thing in the gym but the whole tenor of the organization just totally no, changed when he left
0: an important thing right yeah yeah but you actually you actually got to the point where you wanted to compete you yeah. wouldn't spend any money you wouldn't get any players to play with them look at all the guys you know i, I can uh, matt molson i think was his name
1: yep first liner
0: Yeah, first liner until until he left Tavares, and he was a minor leaguer overnight. And you can go to a whole bunch of players through the past that played with Tavares, and look like first or second line NHLers, and as soon as they left, minor leagues career over. That's the type of player he is. You got you got a different team. He you had a team uh, where you were given twenty two million to a goalie. You know, like (laughs) like what was his name?
1: That was D P H O. -O. Uh,
0: Who, no, no, the guy who signed them, Pang
1: or Wang? Oh, uh, Charles Wong. May he rest. So we don't want to talk too well of him. But um, yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, he kept the team on Long Island. I'll give him credit for that. The owner, Charles. Yeah, Wong. yeah, no. But
0: I'm just saying it was just whoever he had in check I yep. remember the GM he had. He had no clue. And yep. No.
1: Win. Oh yeah. It was. It was a Mickey Mouse organization. Absolutely for so yeah. many years.
0: Never got a player. You know, you never had a second line player on that team.
1: When no. The was there? No. Well, not. Uh, yeah, to, like, well, we had. Um, what's that? Matt Molson. What about him? When
0: he was playing with Tavares, he was like the second best player
1: on the team. Nah, I mean, he scored a decent amount, but no, you know who the best player was? Well, forward wise, they had a player who was an amazing player for them. I don't know if people outside New York realize, but Franz Nielsen, if you know who he is, he's done now or washed up, but he was so good as a second line center. In fact, they actually put him towards Tavares's the end of his career. They put him on the same line, even though they're both centers, they put him on the same line and they had a lot of success, but then they had no other lines. Um, but but you, anyway. you
0: can't tell me A real second-line player That played with Tavares
1: Yeah, but it's the same The same players towards now, Most of the career, yes But towards the end It was the same players That are playing with him uh, They didn't really change the team All that much over the last few years They made like one change a year Two changes a year so, You
0: have five Leafs on the team, though you, you, You've had seven Leafs Over the last five years That have gone there First, you had the Russian kids
1: You're talking about before When Tavares was still here
0: yeah, and now, and now you got uh, guys who couldn't make two guys. Are they still on the team?
1: Uh, Komarov just got signed today. I don't know how Lou does it, but somehow a KHL team, I think, or some league over in Russia or wherever, just signed Komarov today. So Uncle Leo is gone. And I think, I'm not sure, that frees up like $3 million in salary cap or something. It was I crazy. If Matt, Matt, what's
0: his
1: name? Matt Martin? Yeah. He played too much defense for you guys up there, so you didn't want him anymore, I guess. <laughs> he didn't
0: play no defense he was just basically you know really it was sad yeah he could play a little he was just like our goon couldn't make the team but like when you're on the fourth that's... line you have to play fourth line hockey right
1: right and that's what he does
0: yeah but you, even on our team it's like you know he, he could barely make the you couldn't make the team you would you couldn't make yeah. them right now Com- come around could not make the Leafs
1: no I, I don't doubt it but maybe they should have players like that that's my argument yeah we got but... players like that
0: now but the, you know what yeah. I mean it's, no, we got mm. them now, but they're they're it's no good.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Long season to go. They started to do a little better, I guess, recently. So my team's not playing all that great either. So I can't talk too much right no, we're now. We're
0: playing right. real good right now. Even oh, that's good. Against LA, we, we we played real good. Believe it or not, you know what I'm saying they played real good.
1: Didn't we they now, get so killed they by them or
0: game losing streak?
1: Didn't they just lose to LA pretty badly? or Am I yeah, wrong? They
0: played real good. Quick oh, did off. they play well? They really played good too. But well, we played good.
1: All right. Yeah, that's I mean, all that matters.
0: Say they, they suck, no, no problem. But No, they played They've been playing real good.
1: All right, well that's good. Uh, you know, hopefully they can. Well, I hope not in a way, but hopefully they carried into the playoffs. To you guys, I'd love to meet you guys in the uh, the semifinals. Go to the the uh, winner goes to the Stanley Cup. So hopefully it works <laughs> out. I just
0: like want to make it to the second round, and we're gonna
1: to have the to parade. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm spoiled now. I go to the semifinals every year. <laughs> <Now
0: that's laughs> we'll see what true. happens this year. See, we can't handle that at the end of the you know, at the end of the season. When we get knocked out the first round, it hurts for a day, but we're yeah. relieved. Yeah. There's, there's three, four nights of our life. We got back.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's funny. I, we're so on. I feel bad. People maybe still listening. Who knows? But I used to coach varsity basketball and one year was like the longest year of my life. It, it just, everything going on outside life, inside on the team. And, and it's so many hours and six days a week with scouting. I'm getting home at 10 o'clock at night, every night I was physically exhausted. And we were in the playoffs. I don't know if it was first, second round. It's, and, um, we're on the road and, and we played a great, great game, and we ended up losing by like two points at the end or something like that. But we played a great game, and after the game, it was so disappointing. That the season was over. They were great kids and everything. And then, like that night, we went out for drinks after the game, and and my sister and I were like, you know what? As much as it sucks to lose, it's like we almost needed it, you know, just to get our life back a little bit. Um, it was still so wanted to win badly, but it, it was so much emotion in it that to go on another week or two physically, I think I would have fell apart. So. Maybe that's a little bit of what you're talking about, but um, you know, definitely. So, well, we'll see. We'll see how the hockey season goes, and uh, hopefully, we get Islanders, Leafs. Uh, I guess that would be the third round matchup. Looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: I'm just worried about we got the Flyers tonight. And
1: that's it. All right, one game at a time has worked for you guys in the past, so keep it up. <laughs> no, we'll see. I I'll, uh, I'll root for them tonight because I don't like the Flyers even more. So I'll. I don't uh, like anyone
0: but the Leafs.
1: Yeah, I don't like anyone either, but I hate some teams more than others. So, no, flyers are down the list. <laughs> All right. We kept you a long time. Tommy, I really appreciate it. I think this is very valuable for people to hear. And also, pleasure having you on. Hopefully, I'll get to see you this winter, or at least talk to you. And uh, looking forward to speaking to you in the future.
0: All right. Thanks, Eric. Take
1: it easy. All right, you too. Thanks again. Bye. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. GQ, hopefully, we'll be back. And. We'll go over a few races next week. So enjoy the races this weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed a little change in the show this week. And we will talk to you soon. Good luck. Bye-bye.